Have you noticed like music's getting a little older? Like, or are we just getting older and noticing the older musicians? I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking like about. They, on uh, XRT, they were just talking about uh, our buddy from Wilco. Um, Tweeds? Tweedsies had a show or they were promoting a show or something. And I'm like, yeah, that guy's like, he's got to be in his like mi- mid, late 40s, right? Oh, I think he's older than that. Yeah. So that's I would what I'm gu- I would guess 50. Okay. That's a good question. I wonder how old Jeff Tweedy is. We'll have to throw that in the old uh, yeah. follow-ups for next week. Well, hey, what yeah. is this? Episode 15? 15. That's a nice, cool number. It's right like a there. half a milestone, right? It's a half a mile. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a positive. That's a, 10 a, was a milestone. That's 20 running, will be another one. Running for episode title, perhaps. Half a milestone. Wanted to uh, just jump right on into it here. Let's get into it. We gotta got say, social games getting a little stronger these days. Hey, getting some followers. Super excited that people are actually checking our shit out and like liking it and subscribing on the thing. So, if I could implore one thing of our wonderful listeners who are listening right now, if you don't already, try to subscribe on the things because then we can prioritize and learn what's working. Yeah, and keep up to date with all the fun stuff that we're doing too. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for subscribing and listening and doing all that stuff. It really, really warms the, warms the heart. A, a cheery salutations to all of our subscribers and friends. Specific shout out to our, our new friends at Lollygagger Effects. They, uh, they, they reached out to us on the old Instagrams and said some nice things. So wanted to, wanted to sh- shout it right back. They're, uh, our neighbors across the, the Lake Michigan there. Oh yeah. So they're up in uh, Traverse city, Michigan. Oh, that's a beautiful town. They have, I know, I know it because they have a film festival there every year. Oh, cool. Um, that, that Michael Moore puts on in fact, oh. but, uh, yeah, they make really cool stuff. I, the thing I haven't actually, to be honest, I've never played any of their pedals, although I've watched about a thousand videos. And the cool thing is they, they house everything in, uh, stained like flamey maple boxes and really? stuff. It's not like your standard, you like know, the, the metal, the Hammond, iron, Hammond boxes, yeah. metal box or anything. So, and it's all hand wired turret point to point, uh, construction on the inside. Wow. Yeah. So nice it's job, real, real pretty. So in fact, they have a pedal called the Lake Michigan that I really want to try out because it's an <laughs> cool. overdrive and it looks cool. Love a good overdrive. That's always, a, do you think like, let me ask you a quick question. Side tangent. Nope. Never. When, when you look at a, <laughs> when you look at a group of pedals or like a new company, is there like a, do you go straight to the overdrive or do you pick like, Ooh. let's say you haven't heard anything about the company hmm. or what they like, maybe you just like the way their pedals look or something. Would you go, you know, let's say they all look the same even. Would you go delay? Would you go reverb? Would you go? OD? Wow. That's a good question. I don't know. I've never thought about this. I think. Cause you said you went straight for the OD. Maybe. Well, I think it was because it was called the Lake Michigan and it was in this <laughs> cool blue box. So a clever name can sell you on it. Yeah, too. for sure. Absolutely. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just straight up marketing. However they name it might be what decides it. I think when I, I can't come up with any good examples, but I think I tend to look for like the most weird off the wall unique thing that they do first. So if it's a new company that I haven't heard of, if they make some kind of weird filter synth sort of pedal or something that I don't already have mm-hmm. probably 10 of, that's probably what I would, wa- would want to see first. But yeah, I think... I don't know. I tend to like overdrives and distortions the most. Yeah. So that's pro- that is probably like, it's kind of like, like if they do this well, there's a good chance that other things are done well too. Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. They got They got to earn the trust in the beginning. I mean, it's not all flashy boxes. And I think OD um, would be mine just because that maybe that might've been like the first pedal I've ever heard, you know, when I was a kid, like yeah. you know, learning about music, like some kind of overdrive or a fuzz maybe or something. Or a little wah wah. Wah was prettier. Yeah. I remember when people had, you know, I've got to say, I feel like of all the, 
boutique pedal things that have happened recently, all the different trends, there really hasn't been a boutique wah there hasn't. trend. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe there, it's out there, but I haven't. I spend a lot of time looking at pedals on the internet, my there's, friend. And, there's and not, people make them, I guess. But the only trend that I've seen in, in wah pedals, or I guess even in treadle style pedals to begin with, is just the whole mini pedal thing. Like mm-hmm. they don't not put all their different wahs into those like mini wahs and stuff, which are, you know, half the size of my big ass size 13 foot yeah i uh, like the the uh was it like the parachute wah or something like that which one was that is that the one that like it your foot goes like way down into it parachute wah is that the parachute? am i confusing I it with like a uh, octave dropper thing i don't know dude the only weird wahs that i can think of were the well electro harmonics made those weird ones that didn't have a base so like it would just sort of rock all over the floor randomly oh that's fun yeah oh that, that, <laughs> that was great fun playing on carpet for, for yeah. instance where it just slides and kicks out right from underneath i guess you're you, supposed so. to have that one velcroed down maybe or something you it you couldn't there oh, really? is no way they, oh it just had like the little sides it was like a rocker with a flat top that was oh. like rounded on the bottom so it would just kind of slide like a rocking horse. slide all over the place kind of like a rocking horse but not even that stable. did they call it the rocking horse no, they, I don't know. They had, Electro Harmonics has great branding and <laughs> names for that. their things. So I, I don't, I, but I don't remember what it was. I, I just feel like, honestly, that was, that was a, a misstep pun very much intended. <laughs> you got to try a lot of things when you're a pedal company. I feel like, you know, hell yeah, dude, you got to get that name out there somehow. Uh, speaking of names, I found out a couple of the names of the things that we talked about last week that we didn't actually know names of or is this, for. Is this the great ministry sentence. of corrections? Oh, we're deep in the ministry <laughs> at this point. I consider our social shout outs and things as part of the ministry to begin with. With anyways that's just how i organize that it works, in a little outline yeah. uh we can come up with a, a new designation at some point i like the I, I just like that we can name things on the show like we come up with names for the segment kind of in fact dude Any now that i think about it i have a uh, we'll get back to that okay uh so uh realize that the name um we were talking about the, those sort of profiler pedals but it's like profilers for instruments instead of mm-hmm. uh amps like the Kemper yeah the Kemper for guitars or basses they have uh, the company not out yet, right they are out in oh. fact so it's uh, I actually found a review from last this last January it won some guitar player award I just somehow missed it until this recent Nam. Uh, anyways, the company is called Sim One, which I knew that it was something was called Sim One. This company is called Sim One. The products are the XT One, which is for guitar. It turns out they also have a separate one for bass for some reason called XTB, and the price is seven ninety nine, which is about. I what think we, you said about eight hundred. I think yeah. So yeah. we'll see you right on the money. Right on the um, money. And then also uh, <laughs> that we talked about the those little boxes that you could throw into any pedal or whatever you want to make that is an IR loader. And we got on that whole, uh, impulse response tangent, right? The, uh, the, the company is called AMT. Got that right. The, the product is the snappily named Pangea CP 16, a dash six F two, two. And that goes for $90. That sounds good. And uh, let's see. Moving right along, the corrections, a whole bunch from this last one. Uh, we got this part right, but we weren't sure. Bob Mold is, in fact, from Husker Du. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guessed that, but I wasn't sure. And it turns out I was right. So good job, uh, good job. multiple choice testing. Good job. Uh, you're, you're right uh, on one of the things I was wrong about. You mentioned the uh, Fender vintage scale length is 7.25 inches. Oh, and the Stratocaster radius. Uh, yeah, and all their electrics. Well, it turns out I, we were both kind of right because... The, it's seven and a quarter for any, anything vintage, and then I guess in the mid '80s they switched to nine and a half. Nine and a half, that's right. So and then, I, so, I but I, obviously, anything reissues seven and a quarter, which makes sense because I only look at reissue stuff. That's so. right. My Jazzmaster seven and a quarter. There you go. Uh, so I'm a ding dong. Ding dong. Got that one wrong. Uh, another thing that I got wrong, I referred to the uh, pots that we put in Dan's guitar, and I mentioned that they were 250k, which is, is correct. We we're both right. We we're right on the money about that. I, I said that they were. Um, 
analog taper. That's actually known as audio taper. So I wanted okay. to I wanted to correct that. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know what? Maybe uh, maybe we should just quickly talk about pots a little bit. I I don't I don't know. If, do, would you mind if I just kind of like got into pots a little bit for a minute here? Yeah, let's let's talk. Let's. I mean, we've already gotten into some pots already today. So <laughs> why not some more pots? Uh, well, potentiometers or pots to us dorks. They are differentiated by how quickly the resistance changes. In in the way that we use them, pots are essentially variable resistors. Wow, couldn't couldn't think of that for a second. You got I just it, had though. like I just you had like a major it, major. Uh, I knew it was going to come in brain cramps. So there are basically two different kinds that we use. There's either linear or audio taper. Uh, there's a reason for that. So when you think about a linear pot, the amount of resistance that you're varying variable resistor essentially we're attenuating this, the signal or in a tone pot you're changing how much of the treble you let through in a linear pot any any change from zero to ten is going to be exactly where it is on that scale so from zero to ten is a change of ten percent from or from zero to one is a change of ten percent one to two another ten percent etc down the line it turns out because of the way our ears work that is like not good for audio applications because you essentially wind up getting weird volume changes. You only get like a very small amount of the pot that's going to change anything Okay, because of something known as the Fletcher Munson curve. Oh, of course. <laughs> Do you, would you like me to talk a little bit Please about explain. the Fletcher Munson curve? Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, an audio scientist here, but I, you know, I know a little bit about it and essentially what it means is that we, uh, it's it's about how the human ear perceives things. And this is kind of interesting. I, I did a little re- research on this too. So we found the Fletcher-Munson curve comes from a study that was done in the 1930s by, of all things, Bell Laboratories, the telephone people. Yeah, love because them. yeah, big we're big Bell boys. Shout out to Bell. <laughs> bell hunks over here. Hashtag Bell hunks. <laughs> they uh, they wanted to figure. So they were make, they're like doing this telephone shit, and they wanted to figure out the cheapest way, the least amount of energy needed to actually transmit telephone calls. And through all these different tests, they found out that the human ear, the the ear has a, a resonating point, just like anything, any other sort of like vessel. And it's at 3.5K, 3,500 okay. 3, 3, hertz, 3.5 kilohertz. The ear, it's, because, it's most sensitive there. It just so, interestingly, kind of side note that just happens to be where electric guitars tend to live too like that 3.5k so like oh. our ears are tuned to the sound of Strange electric guitars i'm just saying yeah. um uh the ears are most sensitive from one hurt one k to five k and that's where like the beginning of um like the beginning of consonants and like us speaking that's where that lives in the frequency spectrum one thousand hertz to five thousand hertz so when you hear like a telephone telephone thing that's they could have made it more full frequency spectrum than that, but they figured out that that is the part where the human ear is most sensitive. So that was the part where they were going to focus the telephone signal so that we could, we could hear it. And then we wouldn't hear anything else low or high. They didn't have to pay to send all that extra energy up and down the line. That's pretty smart of them. Um, anyways, that's a Fletcher Munson Munson curve kind of goes along with that. Okay. Uh, when you think about loudness for something to feel twice as loud to us, we need to actually make it 10 times as loud, right? Like that's why, that's why a 50 watt guitar amp is not half as loud as a 100 watt guitar amp. Like if you go from hundred Watts to a 50, a 50 Watts in a, in a super loud guitar amp, it's not going to sound that much different. Twice as loud. 
it's not not even close. It's a it's right. like a one. I think one fifth. Essentially, my long and rambling thing comes down to the fact that audio taper gives us better control over across the full range of the pot with an with an audio signal. Mm-hmm. If you had that kind of taper on, say, like a what's the like those lights like the light like a light switch like dimmer mm-hmm. that wouldn't that wouldn't make as much sense you want it to be equal across the whole you want it to be of, half as bright of, if you go halfway down exactly yeah. but that would not be what would happen so would that on, be a linear then on a yes on on like a uh dimmer switch mm-hmm. on a, li- a light bulb or whatever that sure. would be linear okay. the only other one that i know about is the uh i don't even know what it's called necessarily but a fader on like a mixing console that also has a different kind of taper because you want the area around zero, like unity gain. You want to have a lot of minute control around that. And if you had it on a linear pot or fader, it wouldn't work that way. You, you'd get like just as much control down at the way bottom of the spectrum that you don't care about, like, you know, minus 20 decibels or whatever versus at zero unity gain. What about the um, like the can, do you not understand like real quick about like 200 or 250k versus like a 500? Oh, sure. Uh, that essentially basically you because you typically would use something like a 500k pot on a Gibson or something with a hump with humbuckers, okay, 250 on something uh, like a single, single coil. coil. Essentially, the lower the value on that, the less treble you're letting through, okay. So, because a humbucker is by because of the design is inherently less bright or less uh hyped in the high frequency spectrum of of hearing that is uh you want more of that to come out you you want to sort of whereas with a a very bright single coil you want to kind of attenuate that brightness Mm. um otherwise it's going to be super shrill like the only other ones that i've seen i know a lot of jazz masters and those types of guitars will have 300k pots Mm. which again would be in between 250 and 500 a little bit I guess you could say brighter than a 250k pot, but not as bright or darker than a 500k pot. And uh, just to clarify, uh, tone pots and volume pots are the same, right? Usually, the same, yeah. The same item. Usually, unless you're talking about something like an active circuit circuit that has right. both boost and cut and sure. a preamp and all that kind of stuff. But then that's a whole different thing. But yeah, typically it's uh, just the same old same old pot. Yeah, I had a uh, I was I was borrowing a buddy's uh, jazz bass uh, last week, and it had some pot issues. Uh, <laughs> it sounded great when all basically like the bridge pi- or the uh, neck pickup was cranked, the bridge pickup was all the way down, and then the tone was all the way up. Like if you rolled the tone back just to get like a thumpier kind of like mellower sound, it, you lost like a lot of volume. Huh, it was really that's interesting. Weird. Yeah, yeah, it's got some. It's could got some be issues. could be a grounding issue or just you know the pot could have yeah. just gone kaput. Well, then he thought maybe the um, like the bridge pickup does like nothing like you can barely hear it like if you try to roll it by itself you can hear it it's there but i'm like you know he was like oh, i don't know if it's the pickups and i'm like dude it might be the pot cool well, well all right that was uh that was, that was pot my, science that was pot Henry. science um <laughs> this is now a growing uh podcast uh now that uh brings me up to one of my personal favorite segments what's that dave's docs oh dave's you docs. got any dave's docs for us this yeah week? i'm gonna i'm going back to some ones that i watched a while back hell yeah um and i we might have touched on it briefly with the ward brothers but i don't oh, know if we wait. really let me be clear riff library is not me like new books that i'm reading i'm just like going back oh, good. To the okay logs, yeah these this is these are ones that well, were because awesome i was on I like the kick you and were. then i was it was changing my life and no, I i'm reading a whole book every week just for right? the podcast well, you know i wouldn't be surprised i do read a lot but not that much um i want to talk about some kind of monster mm. it's it's uh, it's about metallica finally one that i've also seen i think 
would you agree that you could either love or hate Metallica and enjoy that movie, and preferably hate Metallica and enjoy? You that could movie. love, hate, or be indifferent. And yeah, still it's enjoy a fantastic. It's it's every like list of like best rock docs I've ever seen. Yeah. It's always in the top five. It's gotta be. It's always. It's just it's classic. It's uh for people who don't know they um when they recorded Saint Anger mm. in, in two thousand Saint Anger, which didn't really turn out that bad. I mean, except for the the trash can snare drums. Yeah, though. trash can snare drum, and that was all. I think that was all ours. He snuck in, I heard, late at night and placed it all with a <laughs> with a bronzed trash can. Yeah, so um ding, ding. I was thinking about it today and like the, my three highlights of that movie are the therapist that they get. Oh yeah. Um for over two years works with them, which is insane. Baffling. And he starts like wearing cool clothes. Did they ever say to... how much they paid him? Oh my god. It had to have been some kind of monster. Well, remember at the end they try to fire him? Oh yeah. And this isn't like spoiler alert. The movie's been out for like fifteen years. Yeah, that's fine. But they try to fire him at the end, and it's like, he's like, come on, guys. He, like, sells himself to the guys, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll keep okay. you around. <laughs> like, I thought they actually Don't you fired want him. any golden banana stickers? Yes, it's totally that Metalocalypse episode, yeah, man. Dude. I love it. Um, so that's a highlight. Um, also, unforgettable moment when uh, Lars sells his art collection for uh oh, it's it's his it was, art it too millions. I believe, right? oh he's an art collector yeah. no, no, no 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 he's a collector oh he's not a painter no i mean maybe he is but he is also a i collector. think there were some parts where like there's a scene where they're in his house and he has this like real i don't know i'm i shouldn't talk shit about art but yeah. a real piece of shit hanging on the wall that's fine no but he yeah that was like van gogh's and fucking crazy shit that yeah he's really weird like kandinsky's and shit like that oh but he uh very abstract but he Sells all this shit and then it's like, you know, makes like what, one and a half million dollars? It was millions for sure. Fucking Lars. And he's sitting in this private suite just like drinking champagne and he's like, he's like, oh, just watching it all go down. You know, honestly, I, you know, I, dude, I love Metallica like deeply. And, and as, as sort of icky as that kind of makes me feel watching that, I also can't blame him. Like he's got this, he fucking made the dude. money, man. Spend it however the hell you want. For sure. And I'm not shitting on him for that. And I would also say how bad or how cool it would be to be in that position where you're watching just money being made through a window drinking champagne drinking champagne because of shit that you bought that you hung on the wall that you then sold, sold. later it's crazy yeah and you got to enjoy that whole time and um so there's that and then i would say the the third best part is obviously the bass player auditions where they hire rob trujillo and they show the entire uh, how, what was that there gringo trujillo 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 sorry come on well i'm a white boy yeah <laughs> you're a bass player though. he's Get got that. two l's in his name <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually had to check it for one or two L's earlier today. So yeah, I am. Yeah. Go. Um, but I would say, yeah, that definitely uh, is an awesome moment. And he kind of brings the band back together too. I think mm. they were missing that piece of the puzzle. Cause for people who don't know, um, they were using Bob rock as their producer cool. to play all the bass lines on every, all the jams they were having. And he's, you know, he was doing a good job, but he was really trying to stay back and not like, you know, intrude on anything or, you know, Dude, Metallica like, needs a charismatic bass player. They've always had, they've one. always had one. And, uh, and Trujillo is amazing, man. I mean, I'm, of course, I I I bleed Cliff Burton, yeah. Uh, but uh, and I mean, I love Jason Newstead too. Yeah. It's just you know, Rob. It's he came in in a, in a weird era for that band, and I get you know, you, he's made his sonic imprint on that band. He really has. He, I, I mean, you look at it and you're kind of like, I couldn't have thought of anybody better to kind of join that. Yeah, he was in what Ozzy and I he was think, in Suicide, Suicidal Suicide Tendencies. Tendencies. Yep. Um, he played with Ozzy. He played with a bunch of like you know one off guys, and then uh, honorable mention. Um, definitely um just slipped my mind but i had an honorable mention for that movie too well just honorable mention yeah cool yeah dave's docs all right dig it get that shit up on the website after we launch it i love it i've been i've been doing it like either the day over the day after so they get up there i'll shoot it over uh riff library what do you got for us i've got uh another one that i didn't read recently in fact i i was going through my music books i don't know oh you know what i was the other day i decided i was like man 
I was kind of having a weird thing, like, because I've been playing in my own tuning for so long, like, writing my writing these songs and that tuning. I was like, maybe I'm just like horrible and this is all garbage. So I was like, I'm just gonna play standard tuning. So I like busted out some old music books, like, I could just like sight read some shit. Uh, and I came across this book. Anyways, quickly let me say, I can't, I got out of that and I'm back to playing in my tuning again. And I think it's bet more badass than ever. Oh. But I just had a qu- quick, you know, sort of like crisis of confidence. <laughs> um, the book is called. The Complete Guide to Guitar and Amp Maintenance, a Practical Manual for Every Guitar Player, written like by that. Richie Fliegler, uh, who's also written a book that many people might have seen before called Amps, with a question, uh, exclamation, a question, question, point. A question, question, point. That's a new thing I'm going to do. Well, is that uh, when they put them next to each other? Yeah, Air that's amps? a question, uh, exclamation, amps. point. Uh, so it basically, the reason, well, first of all, I, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, it being old. I bought the original receipt from when I bought it is still in it uh, from a Sam Ash Hmm. in 1999 because I decided that and when I was like 12 or no 13 I guess that I needed to no I would have been older than that 14 uh, I needed to figure out how to fix shit so uh, this but I read I read through the whole thing again and it's still super badass and I picked up some things that I probably didn't catch any of the beginning times Um, it like it really focuses on kind of the most common things that a guitarist is going to come across uh, in maintaining your guitars and amps, you know, but that's everything frets, electronics, wiring, you know, amps, all the tubes, all the, so you can get as deep with it as you want. Is it, to is it repair stuff too, or is it all the repair stuff? Hmm. Really practical. We can trust rods and all that fun, stuff. all that kind of stuff. It's um, it's got over 150 photos, which I love because a lot of things that I've read, it'll be mm. like step one, step two. And then I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that they're trying to describe, but it'll say step one, describe it. And then there's a picture of them with fucking crazy glue and some torn Tolex on an amp and showing yeah. the right way to, to repair wow. it. So it's got all that. Um, it's designed for techs, roadies, uh, uh, engineers like it's got so it has really technical technical stuff but then also really practical stuff oh cool um and the thing that i think is probably my favorite about it is that it's really designed to be like a bench reference type thing where you have it you know where you normally work on your guitars or whatever and in the back there will be charts with empty spaces for you to take listings like if you're measuring the forward voltage on your amp and for biasing you can write that down so you know what it is next time or you're doing height adjustments on your bridge of your last paul you want to know what that is for next time you go back to do it so you always have it it's got like all little spots to write all that that's stuff cool down. yeah that's important man. and and it's really easy really easy to digest i mean some of them are, are sort of challenging concepts to understand if you don't know them already but it's all very clearly and, and cleanly presented super super practical knowledge and and it's something that you can read through it and i have done it a number of times or you can just use it and kind of be like oh i've got a i've got to measure i've got to measure this thing i got to figure out the nut height on this thing oh let me go to the chapter on nuts and go check that out so it's got it's got chapters on nuts i love nut talk man nut nut talk nut hunks Uh, so yeah complete guide to guitar and amp maintenance a practical manual for every guitar player by richie fliegler that looks great i'm gonna actually want to check that out yeah we can check it out yeah uh next up what is normally known as band buds, but we've got to go a little side uh, side side tangent today. I've got a new name for it: Pod Pals. Pod Pals. You've got you've got someone you wanted to yeah. Give, I want to give a holla. I want to give a, a friendly uh, shout out, holla, uh, salutation to my buddy Jason down in Austin, um, who actually has a podcast as well called uh, uh, Austin All Day, and it's a culinary podcast. He talks to chefs. Um, from all over Austin, and um, they have great conversation. It's a great podcast. Very entertaining, actually. I'm not a huge foodie guy. So wait, you're, you're saying there are podcasts about things other than... Other than gear. Gear? Yeah, man. Hmm. There's a whole there's a whole world of podcasts out there. Hmm. I know. There's comedy podcasts. Shocking. It's unbelievable. I'm shocked. Yeah. 
we're we're new to the game i think wow so uh shout out listen to um austin all day it's um it's really good it's actually really entertaining they they don't just talk about food they talk about kind of cool history of like you know a lot of the chefs he has on he he interviews everybody who's on and he has a new guest every week so it's a it's a good one he gave me some helpful tips on marketing the other day and uh just want to say what's up to jason and thanks for listening and uh tell your friends hey jason pod pals pod pals austin all day every day all day all day well that's that uh let's get into some news we got skipson in the news again in 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 a way in that a Dwayne Allman's 57 Gibson gold top saw that. Les Paul sold for 1.25 million I was going to text you the article and I figured hey I'd already seen it You didn't I think you might have Oh maybe we've I gotten did to anyways. the point where we're repeating things that we are like forgetting things Yes I know that we have sent her like you sent me that one uh the ba- I know I know what you didn't do last summer bass player bass, meme which is yeah, changing your changing strings, your strings. <laughs> I know you sent it to me like, like maybe a month ago. Yeah. Um, You're like, oh, I knew that for sure. I well, I think you. I think between the amount of content, if anyone ever saw our text threads, it's mostly memes and, and yeah. links and links to really cool articles so. and funny gifts. Keep it coming, yeah. So, what? Uh, any any interesting news about it? Do we know who bought it or seller has it? not been revealed yet? Okay. It was a private sale. Cool. Uh, this was a guitar that he did all the like Derek and Dom- Derek and the Domino sessions, aka Layla, and the first couple years of the Almonds. He, um, but I I thought the interesting thing about this guitar, well, there are two. One was that. That, um, he traded it uh, with $200 and a 50 watt Marshall for his 59 burst. So, you know, I'd say he kind of did all right in that one. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was also reading in this article that I was reading about it, they mentioned, you know, it's kind of one of those guitars that and for some reason has made the rounds, like a bunch of famous players have played it. And the uh, they mentioned Kirk Hammett had played it, but they, they had his name misspelled as Kirk Hamlet. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even two Ts. Just like, uh, like the fucking, you know, whatever. Yeah, like the play? The Danish fucking prince. <laughs> uh, the bard. So, yeah, um, Kirk Hamlet has played wow. that one before. Um, I also read something about how... Maybe I, there's a guitar player named Kirk Hamlet out there. Maybe. Though. They yeah, didn't have a photo a famous, of him, right? No, there was no photo. It was like, you know, it was like <laughs> it's an old Gary guitar. Moore and, and Mark Knopfler and yeah. fucking Kirk Hamlet. Kirk Hamlet. Uh, oh, so so and there was also a little anecdote uh, with Dickie Betts about, you know, obviously they're in the Allman Brothers together, played guitar together. And uh, at one point it, it had been up for sale and he was trying to get it. And he he apparently owns the consecutive serial number of that 57 gold top Les Paul. Whoa. Yeah. And so he tried to trade. It was it was when Dwayne's burst was for sale. He tried to trade his gold top, and he said like a bunch of other stuff. And and it, and he like basically came to the conclusion that he like doesn't have enough money or things to have even traded to get wow. Dwayne Allman's burst. Yeah. You know? No way. I can't even imagine what that guitar is worth. I mean, like of all the bursts, bursts, bursts. Someone like him or or Jimmy Page. I mean, dude, yeah. Dwayne Allman died when he was twenty four. That's crazy. Most people to this day, myself included, would call him the greatest slide guitarist of all time. Yeah. And he was fucking 24 when he, it was a motorcycle crash, I think. Yeah. That's nuts, dude. Man. And it's it's so funny to accomplish so much, too, before the age of 25. Oh, dude. Like, I think back when I, I was a dumbass when I was 24. I was probably you, still you a were? dumbass. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I'm still a dumbass, but you, I was You much, beat me to the punch on that. Much dumber. Yeah. Oh. I had to take a little sip break right there hey. for my first ever fucking White Claw. Cheers, buddy. This podcast is not sponsored by Black Cherry White Claw. Um, I, if you listen to the last episode, Henry has never tried a hard seltzer before, and I figured... And as a as a paid spokesman of hard seltzer, it was about time, even though this isn't my product that I'm yeah. drinking here. I have to say, it tastes... Now that it's... We, we put it with some ice, and, and I'd say it tastes better now that the ice has sort of done it, because it almost tasted like melted 
something else be, before it was the ice melting. Uh, short story about hard seltzers, like real mm. quick. My buddy's planning a wedding and they're going to have obviously have White Claw, but they talked to the person, gave him a quote. They go back to get the quote. The price has gone up on White Claw. That's just because of its popularity. You got it, bro. That's crazy, man. Fucking, it's the new Mike's Hard Lemonade. Be- oh, right, because it's from the same company. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, enjoying yeah. it. Um, Good. I'm glad next you're news. This might just be a little bit more local, but I still wanted to talk shit for a minute. Uh, did you hear about the Aragon? No. The Aragon Ballroom, one of the most sort of historic, uh, amazing, larger size. I have opinions about it, rock. but yeah. Well, sure, but it, it is. It I mean, it literally is a designated landmark at this totally, point. Totally. Was recently pur- recently purchased by Byline Bank, or I should say, was was purchased through Live Nation mm-hmm. by Byline Bank. So it will not. Is that be the called- bank across the street? I don't. I, I, no, I think that's a Bank of America right oh, there. Okay. Uh, no, there. It's more of a Live Nation thing. But then now the place is branded Byline Bank or Aragon Ball, Aragon Ballroom. Oh, I think I hate is what places it's do that, man. And that sign outside is like a famous sign. Yeah. You know, the, it's like a famous. It's, it's, photo it's, illegal, of Chicago. it's illegal for them to touch it. So, I, yeah, but they're putting all the Byline Bank shuff, shit like right underneath it on that thing. You get it, man. Oof. Uh, do you think they'll do anything to improve the sound in there? Well, that's one of the things that they said is that they're committed to partnering and being oh. a good neighbor and doing all this shit. So that to me says that they're going to improve. I don't know if it's it's not like the speakers. I think it's more the acoustics and the size of that crazy ass yeah. room. Because uh, un- unless you're up near the front, it yeah. kind of sounds like poo poo. Yeah, we've both talked about that mm. in the past. Um, some of the some of the best worst shows I ever saw were like standing back in the in the rear of the audience. And it was like. It was just mush. It's yeah. It's a it's a giant swirl of mm-hmm. noise. Cool ceiling too. If you've never oh, been all the in paintings there. and whatnot. Yeah. The, big, what do they call it? A fresco? Big mural on the ceiling or something. It's a thing. They've yeah. got them in places. So yeah, just wanted to quickly talk shit about Live Nation because everyone knows Live Nation. Their prices are probably go up for their uh, tickets. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, it's just one of the one of the side benefits of uh, getting sponsored, right? Uh, this is a little personal news, but I, I mean, not really, but it's just something that I did recently. I want to talk about um, and maybe a little bit more broadly, but I thought of it because I recently I saw some link and it was listen to the isolated guitar track from uh, Sultans of Swing. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And I listened to it. And, and then and then that was part of my like being like, man, I should play standard tuning. I went and relearned that whole song. Wow. Uh, because listening to that in isolation is jarring. It's, it's so badass, dude. It's I don't think so there's good. a podcast that goes by where we don't talk about that guy. I I was dude and okay. for good reason. Here's the thing though, like I think Mark Knopfler is a fucking stud, and this is the second time we've in talked this about him in this cast. Uh, but then I was actually thinking about that, and and the only th- I've owned I owned the greatest hits and and money for nothing, but I've never heard anything else, and even right. that, like I skipped through that stuff. So it's like I don't I can't think of another artist yeah. that has had as much of an impact on me personally as in my playing style with less things that I've listened to that's from them. Really? I just, it's like that's six crazy. songs. I've never even thought about that, dude, but they're all, all the ones that I love are amazing. And in one of them that I sort of ironically like, which is, what is it? Walk a walk a blow. Do the walk. Oh, do the walk. Which is, which is, which is fine, but it's also not like badass. It's, it's kind of like, that song's kind of like a throwaway Bruce Springsteen song. So you listen to the isolated track. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
Was it good? Oh, it was. I, I mean, I th- I thought I'd communicate, but I apologize <laughs> for not. <laughs> no, it I'm, was flooring. I'm being completely facetious. And right. the, one of the interesting things I noticed is that it goes back and forth. So the ding, ding, the rhythm part. Yeah, that's double tracked and and panned. And then when it goes to like the little single note licks, it it breaks down to what sounds like a single pass in the center. Okay. So like every time that happens, it's sort of jarring to hear in isolation, go because it's clearly different takes. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, there and I've I've I, I learned how to play that song note for note as a young man, you know. Mm. But there are still things in there and listening to it in isolation that I had never noticed before. Little like tiny little flourishes that happen underneath when he's singing and stuff. Mm. Whew, so good, man. But that the reason I bring it up, A, is because I want to talk about how awesome it is and people should check it out. But B also ask, have you ever spent any time listening to like isolated tracks or anything yeah, like that I love on them, YouTube man. and that kind of shit? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I, you know, what's really fun though is the vocal tracks. I, I think the, I, get, oh, I get a kick out of dude, those. I didn't even think of that one. I'm so glad dude, you said that. Um, Van Halen running with DLR, the DLR DLR vocal. Tra- yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. What oh, I've said, been saying this for years. There is, there is an isolated vocal track of David Lee Ross vocals from running with the devil. Yes. Not even in my top 10 favorite Van Halen songs, by the way, amazing song. I love Van Halen. I think it's in mine, but, if I'm telling you, if ever I'm feeling blue <laughs> and I need something to to turn that frown upside You're down. You're having a gray sky day. Dude, I'm telling you, this is this is this is some real Hank facts right here. I put on isolated running with the devil vocals so and good. every fucking time I crack you up. You can't dude. make it through without laughing. It's just Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then when, and then when he like go, does, does those high laugh, parts, dude, dude, I lose my I, mind. And he does all the little vocal You can ad-libs. almost hear him doing jump kicks in the in the vocal booth, man. It's, those are so fun though, man. Like that's what you made me think of when you said isolated cuz I'm yeah, I've listened oh, to bass man. ones and those are all those are all great. That obviously. was not where I was going to take this dude, isolated, so Dude, and there's so many others I want to explore, you know, but like nobody oh, will beat DLR. I will say the first one I ever heard and still possibly the most amazing is the isolated drum tracks from Fool in the Rain by Led Zeppelin. Oh, cool. Hearing that drum performance because again this is back when they weren't editing everything and they were doing full takes Mm -hmm. and and they didn't have pro tools and all that shit you can hear the headphone bleed a little bit in the in the overhead that's a classic zeppelin thing uh dude it is i don't care i don't care if you're a led zeppelin fan i don't care if you even like the drums if you're a straight up cone man you listen to that, you are going to have your face blown off. Yeah. It stops when there's like the weird part where they blow the whistle and the song goes like double time yeah, and shit. Yeah, right. It stops at yeah, that. Right. Because I'm guessing that was a separate That's thing. That's a cut, I'm sure. But that shuffle, that. Uh, hearing the, the room sound and how hard he's hitting and like perfectly, he's pulling the rhythm in and out. Because that whole, I mean, if I've, I've read some articles where they've tracked the tempo changes in Zeppelin songs and it goes all over the place. But when you're listening to it, mm-hmm. I mean, that's all John Bonham controlling it intentionally because he knew when things needed to push and pull. And that's why, you know, metronome, uh, click, uh, gridded songs these days don't have that kind of same feel because there yep. isn't a drummer. It's almost too on top of the on top of the beat. So yeah, dude. I think after this, I don't care. Even if we don't get to tracking some of your vocals, we're gonna listen to that. We're gonna listen to that and maybe beat. some DLR too. Because I could I could use a smile oh, on my face today. Always. Can I never just get thinking old. about it. I'm grinning <laughs> like an idiot over here, man. I'm telling you. That's I'm so, so I feel honestly I feel lucky that I discovered that in my, in my life so that I know I have a sort of anecdote to the blues. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like not a, not everybody has 
so not everybody has sunshine it. they but can just you know what it. that is free advice for anybody R- take it run with it i don't have yeah. to own the dealer but i will tell you i've probably got at least ten thousand of the plays on youtube because i've listened to that hell yeah. a lot hell yeah man which is why i can just bust out his little yells like so that right there. i can't sing like many people but dude you know what's really weird i did want to talk about singing today really yeah that was kind of that was kind of going to be like nice maybe segue. maybe well, here's the thing. I don't know if we should segue yet because there are a couple other things that I did want to talk about. Whatever you want but to talk about. But you know about. what? I say fuck it, man. We can the, Nothing that needs to be uh, done. One of them was just that Cappy brought over that little multi-effect guy, and I was going to say it was cool, but, you know, it's cool. I kind of want to talk <laughs> about I kind of want to talk about singing. Maybe we can talk about the multi-effect next week when I have more time with it. Whatever you want to do. All right, dude, let's talk it. Let's talk let's, let's talk let's, it. Let's talk it, bro. Yeah, top it. So I, I know that you've uh we we've almost we've almost talked about part of this a few times on this show. Uh because I've had it running in the outline for like several weeks now. This article I came across from this dude yes. who's a vocal coach of the stars. Yes. Uh, and that kind of triggered me thinking about the fact, well, I've been working on these songs recently and like some of them I'm having trouble singing and playing and doing all that sort of stuff has been taking a lot of practice. So I wanted to actually spend some time talking about that because I know you also, you, you play and sing, yeah, you know, it's and, hard. And, and I think it's a, it's a, it's an, it's not a, it's not a deeply talked about subject. There are things that you can read out there and people have talked about it, but I feel like it's not a super commonly talked about thing, but it's something that I personally as a musician have struggled with more than anything else about being a musician yeah i think that's probably why it's not written you know have articles written about it is because it's really just comes down to practicing i think you just you got to hammer it you know i mean you got to do it the right way i wrote out some i wrote out some i'm sure there's notes and tips i've got some tips you know but you're right it's definitely one of those things there's no shortcuts i think i think the key that we'll probably get to here is that it is it is about uh concentrated thoughtful practice the things that you are practicing to do it It, like if you try the brute force approach i don't think that's i don't think that's ever going to work it has or or i should say it hasn't it never it hasn't worked for me like the full steam ahead kind of just like do it yeah think about it right exactly there are ways to get better at it but i i will say that i i wish looking back on my history of playing and i you know i used to i would shed it a lot on guitar i spent a lot of time practicing guitar especially when i was younger mm-hmm. i did not and i wish that i had i did not spend nearly the same amount of time practicing no. singing or playing and singing maybe 5% of the same amount of time that i have working on my instrument which now today is someone that wants to be able to sing and play all the time i wish i really wish i had spent more time with that yeah is so do you remember when you started kind of playing and singing together um well it started with backup vocals with a okay. lot of bands um and even that i was really uncomfortable doing um even having like kind of a, like somebody to hide behind when you can do it you know which then, man that's thinking back on it and i felt the same way that is the wrong approach to take as a backup singer right because that because is, that's, that's actually poopoo. it's well that's exactly why i did and yeah. then you know so i think i sang bad backup vocals for a solid five years before i you know oh, started. I, I did longer than that hearing man. harmonies and you know um yeah, I, I don't know. And then one day it just kind of clicks. Um, you just start hearing a little better, I think. But mm-hmm. like, again, it just came with practice. And then playing and in, in singing is new to me because I kind of just started, you know, fronting a couple bands, but I'm playing bass at the same time. So it's almost like a it's a little different. I mean, it is different. Absolutely. You know, because bass, you're generally playing a different, you know, maybe a melody or maybe a, a you know, a counterpart to whatever the guitar is doing or the drums are doing. So and especially to what the vocals are doing sometimes I mean, very rarely is the bass playing exactly what the vocal is singing. Oh, dude, absolutely. So it's been it's been a tricky ride, man. Again, it just comes down to like sitting down, 
do it once. All right, start over, do it again, start over. Yep. And, you know, just practicing in your sleep. Dude, I, so before we get too far away from it, I do yeah. want to talk about that article just like very briefly. Please, because, let's, let's hit on some of those notes. Well, the, the note that I ever actually kind of said from the article, but I did want to say that there, there was one thing that I liked about it. So this guy's name is Peter Strobel and he's done, he's done vocal teaching, especially teaching for people who play instruments for a long time. I know he does, in, in fact, uh, referenced earlier, he does Van Halen. Uh, he does a lot of stuff. But the one thing that actually stuck out to me about this article is something that you and I have talked about a little bit is how, you know, a lot of singers will have these very special things that they will or will not eat or drink when they're singing and all this kind of thing. And it's like, oh, well, if you've got like a if you've got a sore, <laughs> tea. Vo- if you've got a sore voice, like you've got to have this like honey and tea and all this shit or don't but drink man, Coca-Cola. Right. Kind of Whatever it is. Yeah. When you th- are a very common one that I've heard is having a bowl of chocolate around because maybe that does. something. Yeah. Good. But so when you think about it, if if like if you drank tea. And it made contact with your vocal cords. You would have to go to the hospital. Yeah, you'd be in trouble. That would there would be ser- something seriously wrong with the structure of your throat Absolutely. at that point. But they're ver- they're separate entities completely. Right. Uh, so this idea that we need to like drink tea for our vocals, vocal cords, or something like that is is kind of batshit. I mean, I can't remember what is it? he says something like you can't breathe tea. Yeah, because <laughs> Makes what, sense. the way we sing is we're pat we're forcing ox or we're forcing forcing air past the vocal cords, which right. vibrates them. That has nothing to do with anywhere with a where, where a liquid would ever right, go. Right. So, um, you know, you can keep drinking that tea if that makes you feel better psychosomatic or, or something. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a, you know, uh, um, I was gonna say a panacea. That's not the right word. Uh, uh, when you're, you know, like when you like it's like sometimes you're in a you get a pill, but it's like a fake pill and it still makes you oh, feel better. Uh, um, uh, why am I? Why am I totally blanking on that? Uh, I know. Yeah. That's, oh my god. I wonder if like this when is they give you like sugar pills for like a test. Dude, exactly. What is it? A placebo. placebo. Oh, we both got there, there at the same time. Nucks. Um, can't we need to get those gear hunk knuckle tats? Yeah, we do. Uh, I'm in. So, anyways, that was that little thing. Uh, I would say that the the best thing to do when you're if if you have no if you have no experience doing this, start with super easy songs. Like if you're playing guitar and singing. Yeah. Find there are I mean there are many three chord songs Dude. out there that you can just do. Yeah, you can Google like easiest songs to play to sing and play. And, the camp and, and in my experience and everything that I've read, the key to mastery is that for a lot of us, myself and present company included, I don't I don't think I'm ever going to be as good of a singer as I am a guitar player. So what I need to do is be able to get my guitar on autopilot, mm-hmm. where. I can play yep. that guitar part without even thinking about it. So then I can focus fully on singing. 100%. So if it's a song that's like you're learning a cover song, for instance, the number one thing to do is listen, listen, listen to it again, and then probably listen to it again. You want to know both parts inside and out in your head. Yep. Then learn the guitar part. You the one One of the tips that I actually came across someone else was talking about is you need to get that guitar part up to you can play it while having a conversation with somebody else. Like I could oh, be sitting good. here with you strumming that part and not thinking about it. That, that That is where you need to get with that part in order to be able to do both with any kind like of squiz guard style mastery. Exactly. So another thing that I actually came across that I think is a really good idea. You've got to memorize those lyrics. So write them out by hand. Yeah, that helps. And then, so once you write it out by hand, a, that's going to help you learn it. Mm-hmm internalize the words but then also say like you're listening along to the song and you notice that the chord changes to a g on a certain syllable of the word make an accent mark over that part of the word in your written out lyrics so you know okay like when i when i'm getting to this point i need to be on the g right here or i need to be on the c or whatever it is 
really sort of intentionally write that out above the part of the word in your handwritten lyrics. Um, sing to the original recording. I, that's kind of an obvious one. Yeah. But get, if you can, if you, if you have something, if it's not your own song, if you're trying to learn a cover, sing along to it while you're not playing. You kind of hear, hear it in your head as you're singing it almost like you've heard it a million times. You know? Yeah, exactly. This is, this is all, I mean, we're just describing it sort of, advanced practice techniques these are all practice techniques is mm -hmm. what we're, we're talking about here so for sure singing to the original recording i talked about marking up the lyrics um figure out the tempo play it along to a metronome so you don't have to think about rhythm oh, that's cool. you kind of take that off your shoulders like once you get both parts kind of worked up and you're going to start putting them together have a click going so you can just keep that pushing you along and you don't get mired or mired down or start speeding up whatever um the, and then, so once you do that, another another thing you can do is sing and keep the guitar in your hand, but also instead of trying to play the chords, just chick along with your right hand. Like play what your right hand's gonna play, but all just like scratch, you know, scratches or or, or right. like just mute the just left the, hand. Do the motion. So you get kind of like your right hand going while singing, <laughs> and and you're gonna because I honestly think that's gonna be the hard part, especially dude, especially if it's finger style, mm -hmm. like trying to work out the finger style while you're singing you you can't like if it's if it's hard and you're not getting it right just switch to a pick like it, it for some people like to do advanced finger style technique and sing at the same time is almost going to be impossible absolutely um here's another one that i actually i didn't see anyone else saying this but this is something that's worked out for me is and you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about learning the bass part uh, and how that doesn't usually match the vocal. Yeah. I will often figure out the guitar part on the guitar, like, or I should say figure out the vocal part on the guitar and just like oh. play the vocal play the melody, melody on the guitar while I'm singing it. Oh, wow. So that I, I hit my, like I know that I'm hitting the right pitches. I get the phrasing down. I can become more familiar with the melody. I, it, it's, it becomes, that kind of works both ways too. Like if you're trying to learn a solo, sing the solo, if you kind of know it in your head. Absolutely. While you're, you know, da, na, 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 na. and they say, I mean, they always say the best solos are the ones that you can sing. So you yeah, know, there you go. It's not, it's to, to go the opposite direction of right. Squizgar Squealf. Um, <laughs> another one to pay attention to. So once you're kind of getting along to it and maybe the song's not in the right key or the right, uh, area for your uh, range for you, mm -hmm. maybe it's time to change the key or use a capo. Sure. You know? So at that point, you're probably gonna have to stop playing along to the recording unless you have some uh, software that can pitch it without changing the tempo, yeah. which a lot of things exist for that, but it's probably a little advanced for some people. Quick caveat. It yeah. can destroy the feel of the song though. If you change the key. it, absolutely. It possibly. Can. Oh, it's it. Just ask of, Led Zeppelin when they tried to tour in like 2000. Oh, did they, did they go, did they go yeah. flat? Yeah. Well, he dropped it like a whole step. Oh, wow. And just the songs don't sound right anymore. You can get away with it for a few songs in a set. Yeah. But like if you do the whole set drop down, unless, uh, unless you're like not trying to play, you know, note for note, sort of like tone accurate versions. If you're like reinterpreting songs, maybe yeah. it's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, man. We it were, can totally uh, change the energy. We were working on a Tom Petty song last night and we had been playing it a half step up the entire time. So it's been wrong. And we were playing it much faster in the recording. Mm -hmm. So we listened to the recording and uh, my buddy comes in. And he's like, "Yeah, we've been uh, we've been actually playing this in the wrong key. We got to go down a half step. Um, I'm playing a capo and all this stuff. And then we also were playing it too fast, and we slowed it down. And we ended up going. We're not going to play this. We're song not going to do it. That way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Totally, yeah. totally valid. Cool. The last one I've got on here. Uh, just do it every day for it. Minimum five minutes. I would say realistically, fifteen minutes a day is going to be the for me the minimum of what it takes to yeah. actually make some progress in that. Absolutely. Um, I don't know, man. Did I did I miss anything? Was there anything you felt like I uh, kind of on the list? Yeah, on the list. No, I love it. I love all those, man. I love the uh, say it and play it. 
Um, I think that's really important and vice versa. Yeah. Um, Say it and play it. Really, it's just like I said at the beginning, it just comes down to practice. I think a lot of people want a shortcut in life, especially these days. Dude, I I remember. So at my freshman year of college, I took a group vocal class Uh where um, the final, I remember I had to do a duet to... uh, uh, How 16, sweet it no, is uh, to be sixteen low. going on seventeen from the Sound of Music. Oh, okay, even better. Uh, which I I'm still not sure I've ever actually seen that movie all the way through, but I knew the, the music inside now. But anyways, I had to like audition for the class, and uh, I, I actually I think I had the audacity to play an original song, which I don't even know what it is now. But I remember like writing the song and like singing and playing guitar for your like solo for, performance to like get into the class. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I remember the teacher kind of like, you know, like being, being nice and like listen the whole time. And like, and I remember it the told like I was talking about before it even had some like finger style stuff. And I was like 18 probably wasn't, was definitely not nailing it and was very unconfident in my vocals. Yeah. And I remember him being like, okay, like, you know, that, yeah, that was cool. Like, um, you know, like, you know, someday you're going to get to a point where you're just, you're not going to have to think about the guitar parts anymore. And I was just like, <laughs> oh man, like that was like the a most sort of like underhanded compliment. compliment right there. I, I you know, he let me in and it was fine. Yeah. Whatever, but, uh, so yeah, I, but man, I just, it's probably maybe a boring topic for a lot of people, but it's something that I still struggle with today and really desperately wish I had spent more time focusing on, on it at a younger age. Absolutely, man. I mean, I think you could even find pro musicians nowadays who still struggle with it and probably still have to practice, especially like older songs they haven't played in a while and stuff like that. There's there's, for me now, there's almost nothing worse than seeing a band live and seeing exactly what I used to do all the time. And you were describing that, like, timid background singer who's like uh, can't really hear maybe you can't hear yourself that well but you're just like trying to hide behind the the lead singer and it's just like man at that point you'd be way better off not singing i'll be honest man we're i'm playing with those guys this weekend we're doing a bunch of covers mm-hmm. it's like mostly 90 percent covers and we've been playing together for over 10 years and not like every day but sure. like you know shows here and there rehearsals here and there and we've we're playing old songs that we used to play but now that i have the confidence to sing we sound like a hundred times better like Absolutely. it's cra- but it took that long for us to kind of like and not not like we worked hard at it every day but like it sometimes it takes a while you know so you gotta i didn't i wasn't doing my practicing at home you know and i was kind of just slacking off and it, that's how long it takes if you slack off so five minutes a day people five minutes a day that's well, all it is well man i feel like that was a nice tight one right there mm-hmm. and uh you know, while the, the whole like double episode thing is fine and dandy, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like we maybe should just cut it off right here, bud. All right, man. I mean, I feel like that. Do you think that was good? Yeah, I think it was a good hang. It was a good hang? Yeah. All right, sweet. All right.